Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. Our mission here is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We do hear what any good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style, as you'll see today, is maybe just a bit different than what you're used to, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here and want to guide and encourage you in your weekly walk with Him. This week, we're continuing a series uh, we started last week called This Is The Year. A new year tends to be the time many of us look to make changes or goals. Has anybody made like a change or goal this year? Anybody still at it? All right, awesome, awesome. Uh, but it's a time we do that. And we are looking to see what God says to do about more than just making changes in our spiritual life, but allowing him to be in all areas of life. Things like physical or bodily habits, financial habits, relationship habits. And the common denominator to succeeding in this is both knowing how God wants us to approach each of these, but then also being disciplined about it. For example, if let's say people walk down the aisle right now with trays. I got some, some hosts lined up with trays of something tasty. Y'all see them coming down. You, you see that they got something. Yet none of you did anything. You passed. Awesome. You're disciplined. Well done. But then I tell you they're Oreos. You passed again. Well done. You're disciplined. And y'all did nothing. You're a disciplined person to not eat, to not disrupt the public gathering, to not let compulsion for Oreos take over, which isn't the easiest thing, right? Anyways, you guys can leave. Uh, you passed the test of being respectful people. Well done. Let's just clap for you. Awesome. You're, you're awesome. And you generally have good church etiquette. Well done. You can get an Oreo after the service. We'll have them there available for you. But you are a disciplined person about these Oreos. Awesome. Yay. Are you disciplined like that in other areas of life? Like, are you disciplined to follow through on what is good, what is healthy, what is holy, what is honorable to God? Now, let's be real. Discipline about Oreos, that's kind of silly, right? But to the core, that's what provides change or helps make a year the year. Becoming more disciplined, and specifically, disciplined in what God says and wants. In Proverbs 10, 17, it says this. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. I hear this verse, I see this verse, and I essentially know that this verse is true just through my personal experience of things. Yet I'm still a pretty undisciplined person with many things. If you've been here before, you maybe heard me talk about how I'm extremely undisciplined about cookies, Oreos, uh, or any type of cookie. Uh, I'm not just like one that's like, oh, I'll just eat one a day. It's eat them until they're gone is how it works in my household. I'm undisciplined about overworking at times. I don't say this to brag, but in that it consumes me to a point that it hurts my relationships and my health. As a past marathon runner, I had to be disciplined about physical training. Today, I don't even work out. I went from running six days a week to zero. Like, that's pretty undisciplined. I'm even a little undisciplined in spending money lately, especially on good deals. Like, you know those times, like, where you get sucked into something, and you, like, didn't even know you needed it, but, like, you see that it's a deal, and it's saving you money because of the deal, so now you need it. I get sucked in, and unfortunately, you know, 
the good deal you get, like when you give them your email for the 10% off of things, and then like you continuously see the good deals over and over and over and think of, or see all the things that you don't actually need, but you now do need because it's saving you money. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, but I, I get sucked into that. I'm undisciplined about that. I'm also, also tied to deals a little bit. I used to be undisciplined about portion control at Quick Trip. They used to have those, like, mega buddies. I don't know if they still do. Like, you can get, like, the 40-ounce. But then, like, for 10 cents more, you can get the 52-ounce. And my drink of choice back then was uh, Red Slush. 52 ounces of Red Slush? That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Did I need that big of a drink? No. But it was, like, 10 cents more. So why wouldn't I have more, right? By the way, here's how many grams of sugar is in it. 78, if you're curious. That's crazy. Uh, but for all these things, for me, it seems once I get out of rhythm or stuck in an undisciplined way of life, it's really hard to get back. It's really hard to get back. Have you been there before? Like, loss of discipline just because of pure choice, loss of discipline because you think what you're doing is right, so you're working nonstop, but you're noticing other things are having issues. Or maybe you're just out of sync and out of rhythm. Maybe for you, it's with your physical health. Maybe it's with your spiritual health. Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's your work ethic or maybe the lack of it with your pursuit of goals and parenting or marriage or relationships. I think we've all been there with one of these. So in this series, as a church, we're talking about realigning with God's ways with some of the prime things I think a lot of us struggle with and trying to make this the year where we become disciplined in what God would want with each of them. Last week, we had a guest speaker here. His name was Brian, and he talked about what it looks like to get spiritually fit. And the outcome was being disciplined by going to what he called the spiritual gym and doing spiritual exercises. I know it kind of sounds like new agey and stuff, but it's not meant to be. What it means by a gym is a set-apart time with God. And exercises is action of prayer, reading scripture, listening putting to action Jesus' teachings, being in community, worshiping in church, those are spiritual exercises. We're actually in a 14-day challenge as a church after Brian talked. Uh, it's not too late to hop in and complete the last seven days with us. As part of that, we have a water bottle you can grab. It's in the foyer on your way out. Uh, and you can get the challenge emailed to you. It's a weekly or it's a daily reading plan. Uh, just write challenge on your connect card and put that in the offering bin later. And we can send that to you. You can be a part of that spiritual challenge with us. But that was last week. Today, we're talking about becoming disciplined with our physical bodies, as in our physical health that we can control, such as exercise, nutrition, our substance use, rest, the wear and tear we do on our body. What does it look like to make this the year where what we do with our physical bodies represents what God wants? And I think there's two main areas for us to think about. The first is, is intake, and the second is outtake. Are you disciplined about your intake, about what comes into your body, and are you disciplined about your outtake, about what you or about how you use your body, your intake and your outtake? What you didn't hear me say for one of our areas is appearance. Is appearance. What you look like, how slim, how ripped, shredded, swelled, jacked, toned you are. I think I hit all the buzzwords of like lifting. It does not matter. It does not matter. Nor does the diet plan you are able to stick to, whether it's like the paleo or keto or vegan or ice creamy again. Is that one? I don't know. Maybe. What you are in these areas are not what we're talking about at all. 
they are not really something God necessarily cares about, nor what the Bible talks about. The Bible doesn't talk about these things, really. But your internal health, what you are consciously intaking and outtaking, that's important to God. The greatest biblical example of this is actually in Jesus' time. There were these Pharisees or religious leaders who were all about looking good on the outside or looking faithful on the outside, and they did to the people around them. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew what was inside, and he said this to them in Matthew 23, 27, 28. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus says the outward appearance is not what matters. It's the internal it's the actions that come from within. So again, we're talking about what our intake is to make us who we are physically and our outtake that is action-based and represents what we are trying to accomplish on the inside for God. So as I'm up here today talking about health, our physical bodies, I want to be upfront with you. You might be looking at me or see me and be like, how dare this scrawny millennial pastor tell me I need to be thoughtful about what I do physically or what I consume internally. You don't know my struggles. You don't know what I deal with. And you're right, I don't. I don't. But again, we aren't talking about what your appearance is or what your weight is or how athletic you are. We're talking about being honorable with the intake and outtake of our bodies to God. And to be honest with you, although I maybe look like I'm physically fit, like scrawny, right? Scrawny, physically fit, but semi-fit or at least... And I may look like I have a healthy intake and outtake. For me, it's actually quite the opposite from the truth. My diet lately is pretty rough. We, we had an event called Candy Palooza in October, and we had so much candy left over from it. I think I ate 10 packs of Sour Patch Kids on Wednesday. Not lying. But doing something like this isn't really unheard of for me. It, like Daily, it, it kind of happens. Uh, my caffeine intake, it's been insane lately. I probably drink three 12 or 16 ounce cups of coffee three times a day that's a lot uh, a lack of water drinking i don't i drink maybe 20 ounces of water a day not not awesome my exercise is so inconsistent and scattered uh the amount of rest that i do have is is pretty low I, I stay up late working and i just yeah i i don't really feel the greatest each morning i maybe look like i have physical health covered this year but that is just not true no matter what we look like, young, old, slimmer, huskier, smaller, bigger, fit, unfit, we aren't trying to necessarily change our appearance to make this the year. That isn't really a biblical issue. But what is a biblical issue is what is happening inside our bodies. How are we taking care of our body? What is our intention of our intake and outtake? Again, the categories of intake and outtake would be like your diet. Caffeine in a consumption, alcohol consumption, water consumption, unique addictive substance uh, intake, unique physical outtake, work, how much we rest, how hard we're on our bodies, how light we're on our bodies, even our mental intake. Your body does and manages a lot. Your body's impressive and it's hugely important. The word that kept coming to mind, and this is kind of embarrassing, uh, it kept coming to mind this week and I'm going to share it with you. Is your body's a wonderland? Is, is what in the song kept coming to mind? Like the John Mayer, your body's a wonderland song. Has anybody heard that song before? All right, so if you've heard it, uh, it's kind of an inappropriate song. Sorry. Because it's about uh, your body being a wonderland for someone else. 
Now, although this is inappropriate outside of a consenting marital context, inside it's okay, but, but the reason I think it's worth telling you that this song was on my mind, Your Body is a Wonderland, is your body is actually to be a wonderland for God. It is. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, it says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Your body is a temple. Your body is for God. Your body is to glorify God. Do you see it that way? What would you need to change about your intake and outtake to see it that way? Well, the person who wrote this passage is a guy named Paul, and we are going to spend the rest of the day kind of analyzing and looking what Paul says about the topic and also analyze how disciplined Paul was as a person. If you've been here before at Centerpoint, you might be like, this church talks a lot about Paul. Uh, at least I feel like that's the case. I teach about Paul a lot. But Paul is attributed to being the author of 13 letters in the New Testament part of the Bible. That's almost half of the whole New Testament. That's a huge deal, right? Paul's a huge deal in the Christian faith. He wrote such important letters to people. He guided churches after Jesus' life. And he lived out a life that was extremely disciplined. It was an extremely disciplined Christian life. Thinking about Paul's success, it could easily intimidate us. But in a second, we're going to... We're, we're going to get glimpses of his disciplined struggles that he probably identifies with us or we identify with him really closely. Now, I'm going to nerd out with you for about five minutes on a longer portion than normal, and I'm going to nerd out with you on Paul's view of discipline so that we can understand it and use it to not only apply to our physical bodies, but n not only that, but this teaching can also be applied to all areas that you maybe are trying to make the year for you. So try to stay with me as this could be immensely impactful for you, Paul's view on discipline. How Paul approached talking about the concept of discipline was actually a way in an athlete trains. It's in 1 Corinthians 9. It says this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. In this passage, Paul says we're to live purposely. We are to live in a disciplined manner. We're to live for God. As you read these things, you can see he's making these, these faith parallels to kind of physical training, to exercising or living out our faith. He wasn't like, maybe isn't specifically saying like we are to do these things with our physical body as what we are to do like with our health or fitness or nutrition. He's not saying that necessarily. But what Paul is saying here is, is you're to be disciplined in your faith kind of like an athlete would be. That's how disciplined you should be. Now hold that thought and let's go to the verse we started with. Uh, with that Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Paul says your body is a temple, a representation, a place for God to dwell. It's a representative of God. If that's the case, how should you care for it? What should your body model for others? Do you just do whatever you want, or are you disciplined with it? Now, when I look at these two passages and sections, everything in me, when I see these two, is Paul points to an understanding that God wants us to be disciplined in all areas, in faith and also with our bodies. 
with all choices. As you ponder that, I want you to think, are you doing that with your physical health? Are you doing that? Now, you might be here and you're like, he's Paul. He's a big shot of the Bible. Paul, the guy that wrote like all these books in the Bible. He was living in Bible times too. They had it easy. They didn't have all the things we do. They didn't have delicious IPAs or canned like cases of bush light. They didn't have bosses that expected them to work 60 hours. They didn't have to work out. They were just naturally fit by doing chores. They didn't have addictive substance at like every gas station. They didn't have Starbucks. They didn't have Oreos. They didn't have McDonald's French fries or Panda Express General Tao's chicken or 11-11 burgers. They didn't have any of those things. You're right, they didn't. Bummer for them, right? <laughs> but they had their own things of that day. And this is where we're going to go one step further in our Paul nerd out here. Paul knows how hard it actually is to be disciplined in living holy for God. In Romans 7.21, Paul is again the writer here. He says this, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul is saying he wants God's ways, but he still chooses wrong and does dumb mistakes. He wants to be self-disciplined or have personal self-control, but he's still a slave to sin is what he's saying. At the end of that passage, how he wraps up is he says, having a connection with Jesus and believing that his death and resurrection defeats sin and that we are forgiven for our sins, we are able to then not be slaves and then be aware of sin in our lives and no longer be slaves to them. Have you embraced that? Have you embraced that before? Scripture even says by Paul that when we're connected to Jesus and embrace that, we're given this fruit, this gift of self-control. It's in Galatians. Paul says this. We're given the gift of self-control to help us actually combat the temptation of continual sin in our life. So, woo, all right, Paul nerd out over. Uh, if you're daydreaming about hunting, Cobra Kai, or snowmobiling, or something like that, now's the time to come back. What you missed is a little 10-second summary for you of Paul's teaching is we have this body that's to be a temple for God. We are a slave to choosing wrong, but when we're connected to Jesus, you are no longer a slave, but are given self-control to fight it. This is so important for us to know and to analyze with the series because Paul shows us a disciplined life isn't just what's needed for spiritual growth, but a disciplined life is what we need for all things we are working on to make this year the year. A disciplined life is the way Christians are to approach things in life. Again, do you want this to be the year for you with maybe, maybe your, your physical or your body, maybe it's financially, maybe it's relationally. When we apply Paul's teaching or this concept of being disciplined to our bodies physically, there are some things we can take away from Paul's teaching to help make this year disciplined and honorable to God. And we're going to look at these. The first one is this. See your body as more than your own. See your body as more than your own. Your body is not your own. Your body is God's. It's a represent, re representation of God. Does your intake reflect that? Does your outtake reflect that? If not, change it. This has nothing to do with appearance, but has everything to do with whether you are being honorable with your body in a way that would be holy to God. 
Romans 12.1, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. As you think about you, what's a holy sacrifice of intake and outtake for your physical body? Who am I to say, like, what exactly you should eat or the quantities of things or how often you should work out or, or if you're maybe working too hard or not sleeping enough? That's between you and God to figure those things out. But to get you started to just thinking about that, of becoming disciplined in that, is would eating 12 brats be holy and acceptable? Probably not, right? Probably not. Is never working out acceptable? Probably not. Is having only coffee and no water ever, is that a sacrifice? Not really. Is running on four hours of sleep a holy sacrifice to God? I don't think so. Is working out for three hours every day healthy for you? I, I don't know. Probably not. Honestly, it doesn't matter what you look like physically, how well you function, or, or really even what your doctor says if you feel you are not living holy in your intake and outtake for God. Again, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. What is that for you? What is that for you? As you reflect on your life, what do you see as a living and holy sacrifice of your bodily intake and outtake? Once you know what that is, change. And the way you do that is choose not to be a slave, which is our second point. Choose not to be a slave. Earlier I mentioned Oreos. You saw the Oreos. Is anybody like a huge fan of Oreos? Wrong, wrong answer. Everybody's hand should be up. All right. Huge fan of Oreos. Uh, there's like a gazillion different flavors out these days. Kettle corn, caramel apple, peeps. Love? That's a flavor? I didn't realize love is a flavor. But there's all these different flavors out there. These All these different Oreos. I love me a good Oreo. And although these don't all sound amazing to me, if they were all here right now, they're not, by the way, so don't, don't get excited. I probably would have to try each one. And then some more of my favorite one. I just find myself getting sucked into and being kind of a slave to Oreos when they're around. It's not just because I need them, but it's because I feel like I just have to try. I feel like Oreo just kind of has this hold on me. The, the business does. It could be they do like everything well, it seems. Oreos, they're just the same, and they're always tasty. They do everything well. I feel like Oreo, they won cookie making. They won. Let's just stop making cookies. They won. All right? People joke about the fact that the company could do like nothing these years. Just keep making Oreos. Just keep making them. People will keep buying them. You're going to do just fine. Keep making Oreos. Here's a 20-second parody clip of someone pretending to be the CEO of Oreos. Check it out. Hey gang, my name's Carl Box, and I'm the proud CEO of Oreos, Milk's favorite cookie. We want you, our loyal customers, to know that here at Oreos, we don't take our position for granted. The smash success of our birthday cake Oreos, we got to thinking of all the other special events that can use the world's greatest sandwich cookies. From wedding cake Oreos to graduation Oreos, retirement Oreos, to bereavement Oreos for funerals. Nope. Hey, gang. Nope. We're not doing that. People love it. What do you mean people love bereavement Oreos? 
Focus groups love the taste of them. Yeah, Kyle, they taste like Oreos. Oreo has this master-like control over me, and I feel like I have to try them all, whether it's the funeral flavor or not. I may be going on a tangent here about Oreos. We're talking about my personal struggle with it a bit too much. But if they're around, they do have some power over me. Again, Oreos, silly idea, right? Silly, silly example. But we all have something like that. I'm aware of it. My body is, I'm aware even too that my, my body is more than my own. I want to make it a sacrifice to God, but I'm kind of a slave to Oreos or sweets sometimes. We all have things we get sucked into and kind of become slaves to. Maybe, maybe in this area physically, like you're doing just great and you have self-control. That's awesome. But maybe you struggle with this, whether it's with some food, whether it's with caffeine intake, whether it's like the outtake of, of being a slave to binge-watching Netflix or some addictive substance, some sexual pleasure, alcohol, to seeking satisfaction from something you know you shouldn't, from working too much, from staying up too late and not getting enough sleep. These things catch us, and we give them power. Don't give them power over you. Paul tells us in Romans 6, 19 is where we'll start. It says, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let your, yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourself to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It says instead of being a slave to something that in the end doesn't fulfill us and makes us feel ashamed usually. If we have a relationship with Jesus, it frees us from that and can start us on a path of self-control and towards holiness. Not being a slave to sin, it doesn't mean that you'll never fall or cave to, to these things, but it means you're not a slave to it anymore. You don't let its doom and gloom and guilt of your mess-ups take over you, take over your insides, but you're free from it and you're able to see yourself as forgivable from God because he's accepted you. He's accepted you this way and wants to continue to work with you towards holy living no, man, no matter how many times you do fail or have failed. If you've never accepted a relationship with God or accepted that before, know that it starts just by saying to God, I want that. I, I want your guidance. I want your forgiveness. You got to say that in your head and most importantly your heart. You want a relationship with him. And then you can become free from the slavery of choosing wrong. And to be aware of when you are about to so that you can live more holy for God. You can, you can just do that silently now. You can do that in your head, at home, wherever. It doesn't have to be some fancy prayer. You're just saying, God, I want to follow you. I want your forgiveness. I want you to guide me. I don't want to be a slave to things anymore. If you've done that, you should no longer be stuck in a spot ever feeling like you can't get out. You should sense when you are getting sucked in as a slave because you are given the spiritual gift of self-control. I want to share something that's a little vulnerable with you. When I uh, realized I was like a slave to things, uh, like as I was starting to become a, a new Christian again or a Christian following God, uh, 
it caused some issues with my friends and also my personal habits. A lot of my friends were not Christians. Mo- almost all of them were not Christians. Uh, and they didn't really like my changes. They didn't like my intake. They also didn't like my outtake changes. They, they didn't like what I would say. They didn't like my perspective on things. And they just didn't like my attempts to be holy. They thought I was like too churchy. Aaron, you're too churchy. And we'd be out and about, and they'd be like, ah, you still think that raunchy joke's funny. Come on, laugh. Or, ah, you still want to do some of those things that we used to do. Come on, get back to it. Ah, you still have those ungodly thoughts. You know you're thinking about that person. And in that situation, as well as still today, I was free from being a slave to sin, but the temptation of sin, it didn't go away. I messed up multiple times and still do, but not being a slave to it meant it didn't hold me down when I did mess up. It just made me pick back up where I left off. I was simply learning to be more disciplined to be more holy, which is the last thing that we get to as we study what Paul says, which is live disciplined. You don't have to be a type A person if you're not one to be a disciplined person, to be disciplined in your approach of your intake and outtake. For your body, be disciplined in learning about what's good for it. Be aware of what you're eating, drinking, consuming. Be aware of quantities. Be aware of how your your body is being used. Be aware if you're lacking sleep. And then have a disciplined plan. How do we start that? No different than any other self-discipline habit you can Google about. There's a gazillion. Google, plan to succeed, plan for health. There's a gazillion online. Google it. And if you look up any habits, goal-setting, success plans that people have written about, whether it's in Forbes, Men's Health, some chick blog, some ESPN blog about it, they all say almost the exact same things. Set goals, remove distractions, Small actions or little steps is what gets it going. Show up consistently. Have accountability. All of them say almost the exact same thing. These are ways people have gotten to be disciplined. But what I always love is when success in the non-Christian world, what these blogs are saying, the non-Christian blogs are saying, is also what we see in Scripture. It's also what we see in Scripture. If we just like look at these ones, set goals. Scripture is all about how we are to have Christ be our goal of living like Christ. Remove distractions, removing our past and putting us on a fresh start. Small actions. We're not expected to be perfect right away. Just little increment steps, helping us in our step. That's what God expects from us. Show up consistently. Life with Christ is a journey. Show up consistently. Your daily walk with Him. Accountability. Have someone, a church, people, a a community that guide you and help you. It's necessary. That's what Jesus says for us too. This list, it's not exhaustive, but if you want to make this the year for you physically, you need to be disciplined in your approach to it. So as we wrap up today, we see that Paul wants us to know our bodies are not our own, we are to not be slaves, and we are to live disciplined. For you, which one do you need to work on? Do you need to embrace the fact that your body, its intake and outtake, it should be holy? You need to change what, maybe what you eat, drink, do, not do, consume, to make that happen. Do you, do you need to choose to not be a slave to things anymore? You know that there are some things that have this hold over you. You are gifted self-control when you're with Jesus. Now use it. Fight it. Or do you need to, to live a disciplined life? Set up better eating habits. Set up a workout habit. Set up some sort of sleeping schedule for you. We do all this because we not only do 
not only do we want to make this our best year personally, but because we want our lives to be holy and honorable to God. I'm going to pray that right now that that happens for us, that we can continue to have our bodies be holy and honorable to God. If you want that too, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us an example of how we can have our bodies be honorable to you. God, we, we know that our body is a temple. It's something that represents you. So help us do that well by our intake and our outtake. And then, God, we pray that we're not a slave to the things that suck us in. God, give us that self-control. Give us the forgiveness that you offer of when we do mess up. But give us the self-control so that we can get past some of the things that are just tough, that suck us in. And God, we just pray that, that we can continue to be disciplined in our life, to have our health model what you want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.